Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey girl! Hey girl! Hello everyone! Hey party people! Hey listeners! How's it going? Good! How you doing? Oh, just amazing. Not cold at all. Is it cozy over there in your in your uh, village? I mean, it is. It's you know. You do you ever just some days you feel really cold and you can't get warm? Every day of my life. <laughs> my mom says it's because I don't work out. <laughs> it's. I wasn't going to say anything. Excuse me, while I just passive aggressively file my nail. <laughs> uh, I wasn't going to say anything, but that's absolutely why it is. Is it because I have poor circulation? Yeah, your metabolism isn't kicked into gear correctly. Oh, Jesus. How's your workout regiment over there in England? Oh, God, you know what? I haven't been doing my pole dancing classes. Well, I did find a place to do pole dancing, and it's been like pulling teeth to get this woman to give me a fucking class schedule to the point where now I feel like, is this just like a people trafficking ring and I'm going to get robbed, clobbed and knobbed when I go to this fake pole dancing class in a dodgy part of Haven't. Yeah, maybe, maybe you should just stick to being a part of the bell choir. How are those rehearsals going? <laughs> well, it's this Thursday, okay. so we'll find out. I was away last Thursday. Oh, that's right, my, that's right. On my trip of a lifetime. All I've seen on your Instagram is oysters and champagne, so that doesn't really look like much working out to me. No, but when you get diarrhea from oysters, you lose weight, so it's fine. Oh, that's perfect. Yeah, no, I actually didn't eat the oysters. Not for me, got to say. Not. What do you not, mean? Uh, I didn't have the oysters. I just thought they looked beautiful. I had the champagne, obviously. Uh, and you're just posting pictures of other people's food. No, I was. It was <laughs> everyone around me was eating the oysters. Okay. I just thought it was a a dazzling display, so I took a picture of it. It really but, was. Uh, I kept shells. Because I just liked them so much, I asked the host if I could have the shells, and she very graciously bagged them for me. And where are they now? Sitting in the garden, still haven't really properly cleaned them. I'm just hoping nature will kind of take care of it. Clean them for you. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, my workout regimen has been mostly consisting of really long walks mm -hmm. most days. As you know, I took a little trip up north. I can't wait to hear about it. Started in Cheshire. Then went to the Lake District, then came back down to the Forest of Dean and Wales. Then I went to the Cotswolds and then I came home. I guess when you get into your 30s, you sort of enjoy things like a walking holiday, which is not something I could have envisioned myself being interested in, but here I am. I love that about being in England. You just walk every day. You just do. Yeah. You just go on a walk. That's like a daily occurrence, and I love, love that. I'm going to go out on a walk today, even though I'm not in England. <laughs> do you miss England, or are you glad to be oh, back? Oh, God, I'm sick, about, I'm sick about it. Every day I'm sick about it, but I just got done with an audiobook that made me feel like I was still there, which I'll tell you all about in a bit when we talk about what we're reading. So 
you're throwing yourself into life back in LA yes. and you're very feeling very positive today. You said you're feeling you're what did you say to me? Uh that I'm high on life. I just feel like stupidly optimistic. You know when you have that where you just feel foolishly childishly optimistic and you're giddy over it and you just don't know why. Uh, as an English person, no. <laughs> exactly. You said it's a very American thing. <laughs> yeah. And that's very what we're going to talk about today is these lovely differences yeah. between American versus English. It's going to be a really fun conversation. But yeah, I mean, I, I've learned that about moods and emotions. They come and go. Everything comes and goes in life. And so some days... You're really sad for no reason. And some days you're angry mm. for no reason. And other days you're giddy for no reason. And you're, you feel mm. like anything is possible. And there's no logic to it. I'm having a couple good days. And I'm grateful because I needed them. I had a couple bad days right before. So whatever. Yeah, I think that it's really good to remember that, isn't it? That it's like grief. Every other emotional experience all that stuff it comes in waves it's not right. sticking around a hundred percent of every day and night for the, forever it's it's good because i think if you can maintain that mentality not just for when things are hard but when things are good then maybe people could be a bit more sort of i don't want to say grateful i fucking hate using that i word, know but you know a bit more kind of jazzed about the good days and lean into them a bit more because really I think we only really talk about that when it's like the bad days aren't gonna last forever don't worry but it's like okay but neither are the good days so fucking juice the shit out it's so, so, so saying that. I think that's I think that's really nice that you do that the other day Will had a big meeting big meeting top company here in LA for his music and after the meeting mm -hmm. we didn't know what the outcome was going to be but I said let's go celebrate and we went uh -huh. and we sat outside and we had a pint and he had a little trouble with it. And he said, I don't feel like we should be celebrating because I don't know if it's going to be a good answer or not. And, and, and I said, that's not what we're celebrating. We're not celebrating <laughs> yeah. the outcome. We're celebrating that today we woke up and we had the courage to go to a meeting like that and put everything we had into it and make the effort and show mm. up for ourselves and plant a seed for our career. That's something to celebrate. Why don't we all do that more? Like the fact that you got up today and put your clothes on and brushed your teeth and went outside and said, you know what? I'm going to go to my bell choir practice down the street. <laughs> And I hate brushing my teeth. Well, you said you're not going to anymore. How's that going? Yeah, well, I do, obviously, every day, twice a day. <laughs> Fucking cocked by my own toothbrush. Um, that is good. And I agree with you so much. And I'm so, 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 so big on that. I'm so big on just celebrating in the way that you've just described. It's not, it's that super mega cringe expression it's the journey yes it is the journey and if you get to celebrate a wonderful outcome of a meeting fantastic yeah but you got up you did it you smashed it you got your pussy on straight you did your best that's right let's celebrate that that's right and i said to him think of all the days that you don't 
get a big meeting. Think of all the days that you're wishing you had that meeting. Today you had it. Mm. Yeah, love it. So even if you're not in the entertainment industry and you don't have business meetings, like I'm saying, you can apply it to your own life wherever you are. Agree totally. I'm on hiatus from the entertainment industry. I am now a professional photographer of the English countryside. (laughs) I am an Instagrammer. Of other people's meals, other people's dishes on the table, apparently. Other people's food. Uh, I'm now a professional voyeur. Before you were just an amateur voyeur. You you weren't like making a living at it, but now it's legit. And I'll tell you why it's legit, Lucy Walsh. Wow, you are going to be proud of me. I've what got is it? my eyes are sort of welling up slightly. It's I I did a Lucy Walsh and what? I I did an influence. I wanted to stay at this hotel and there was a room in the hotel that had a big big crazy ass bed in and I wanted it but I wanted to see if I could do an influence and get the room for less because it was very expensive. Uh huh. And I'll pay for things. But I just <laughs> I just wanted to test it. I just wanted to see just wanted what to was happening. I emailed them and I said, Hi there, my name's Annabelle Jones and I'm I host a podcast and I do this and I do that. And Did I've you got, tell them your dad is a over- legendary English icon? I didn't mention my dad. I just mentioned you and me doing our podcast. Wow. That we're on Apple Top 100 Podcasts in multiple countries. Yep. That uh, I've got over 5,000 followers on my Instagram and I'm verified. And I would love to promote the hotel what did when they I say? come and stay there. And they said to me, we would love for you to promote the hotel when we come and stay here. And we'll give you 15% off of your room. Oh my god, look at you. I know. And I was so scared to do it, Lucy. I was so terrified. As an English person, right? it felt like I was haggling. (laughs) And every cringe, it gave me the ick. Every, my cringeometer went to, into the ickometer. It was, we went through cringe into ick. But I did it and it was a good result. Now I'm a professional influencer. I'm so excited um. for you. Congratulations. Well, that's, that's, that's huge on many levels. It's, it's huge because that is the correct way to use everything we're building on these stupid social media outlets. They really are a good thing in the way that you can connect with people around the world, yeah. like, like I've said before. Yeah. But then also, what are you building it for if not to parlay mm-hmm. it forward into things that interest you? And Mm -hmm. so that's huge. Also huge is that it took you courage to do that, to put yourself out there, to promote yourself in that way, to take a Mm -hmm. risk because they could have come back and said no. And that's the risk that you're taking is that doesn't feel good. That's that sucks to like be denied like that. So you took that risk, you won out and everyone was happy. It's a win win for them and you. So I woke up in the middle of the night. I was getting these pictures on my phone from this incredible. (laughs) crazy room you were staying in with this four poster bed oh god it was can you tell us the other side of this story please that i've been waiting to hear since you texted me that night so i was so excited to go and stay in this hotel and stay in this it's an it was a hunting lodge built for charles ii in the forest of dean which is 
in Gloucestershire. Mm -hmm. And it's very close to the border of Wales. So I wanted to go and stay at this place and sleep in this spooky bed. And I wanted to walk to Wales, which everyone thought I was crazy for. And it turned out I was, but I did it to all the haters and losers. How long did did it take? Took me all day. (laughs) And on the way home, I wanted to cry and my legs were shaking and I had to take the long way home because I couldn't traverse down the mountain because my legs were like... (laughs) Jesus. And And it was dark. It was getting dark. Yeah, because it it was minus two. (gasps) Did you take provisions? Yeah, luckily we did. And the walk back wasn't as bad because it wasn't climbing up multiple hills and mountains. Were your provisions champagne? No, I wish they... That's actually a really good idea. That... (laughs) is what I just kept thinking to myself, I wouldn't survive. In a survival in a survivalist situation that was in the cold, I categorically wouldn't survive. I would have to keep walking and stay awake all night long in order mm-hmm. to survive. Because I would just I felt so cold. Anyway, all that stuff aside, we were so excited to get to this place and Alec and I. Yeah. And we had looked at it online and I had did my influence to get the bed that I wanted to stay in which was this huge seven foot by seven foot monster of a thing. It was beautiful. And I'll share pics. And the place that we stayed was called the Speech House. And it was in the dead center of the Forest of Dean. And it is where the Forest Court was held and is still held from the 1600s to today. And there is a board of verderers who are the i guess the forest court they are elected they they are the middle person between the crown and they say the vert and venison so the greenery and the the trees and the animals Mm -hmm. and they you know they protect people uh chopping down trees you can't you can still be hung for killing one of the queen's deers did you know that no i did not know that yeah so that's their job is to basically no one's getting hung for that in this day and age but legally you still can did you also know there's some law in england where you are allowed to shoot someone with a bow and arrow at midnight on the like the first thursday of (laughs) Of like the year, I don't know, it's some only one day a year at midnight you're allowed to shoot someone with a bow and arrow for some old oh. law that used to be in existence. England is so lucky. <laughs> I fucking love it. Okay, yeah, so. so. So anyway, we're staying at the Speech House. It's lovely. It's super mad, batty place. And it's an old hunting lodge that's been used as a hotel since the 1800s. The crown lets it out as to the people as to be used as an inn we get into the room mm-hmm. and we walk through this 1600s building which has obviously got few additions over the years and we get in the room and immediately i'm just like right <laughs> it's just very thick energy in the room and i just thought okay it must be everything's very grand in here i mm-hmm. think it, i'm just and I'm tired and I haven't mm-hmm. eaten and we've been walking all day. So I'm getting ready and I'm looking at the mirror. I'm sitting at this giant vanity mirror. And I was very struck by, by this piece of furniture, not the bed or the massive wardrobes or any of that, this mirror. And I looked at it and I said, this was a lady's at one point And she thought her way of life was going to be forever 
And now her mirror is sitting here in a hotel, in a bridal suite. This room was used. This room is used frequently as a bridal suite. Wow. So there's all these women sitting in there, you know, however frequently they have weddings at that place, in this mirror that once belonged to probably a very rich woman. And it just really struck me. And I carried on, you know, with the rest of the evening, not thinking about it anymore. And I was just feeling more and more strange. And Alec was feeling strange. And I said, I'm sorry I'm being weird. I just, I think I need to eat. I'm tired. And he's like, no, I'm feeling really weird too. He's like, I think it's just too grand in here. I think the furniture's too big and it's just, it's really overwhelming in here. And I just looked at him and I was like, and it's fucking haunted. And he was like, no, why did you say it? Why did you say it out loud? I was really hoping you weren't going to say that. <laughs> and we just looked at each other and I was like, well, look, we've, we're staying here now. So we're in the room. What can you do? So I did a Lucy Walsh again for the second time of my mm. trip to the Forest of Dean. And I said, well, we're just going to have to negotiate with her. Because yes. I truly felt a strong, strong female presence in the room. So I stood in the middle of the room and I said, lady, <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much for having us in this room. Mm -hmm. I think it's beautiful. I love your mirror. And if it's okay, I'm going to put my things on it and I'm going to use it for the next couple of days. And I really... I really respect this space and I'm grateful to you and I've paid my fair share to be here so I feel that I'm fairly in the space and I will be respectful and enjoy it while I'm here in your presence using your mirror hope we can have a nice few days together and Alec and I just looked at each other and we're hoping something would happen I don't know but and did you it, feel it, a shift massively yeah and I feel I feel it's this has never happened to me before <laughs> outside of you know a home or something yeah. it's never happened to me in a hotel and I felt a massive shift and Alec did too it was wow. crazy and then I, I was like oh we're probably just imagining it and then I came back and we addressed her again and then there was lots of other strange energy in the place and that evening, we read on one of the old scriptures on the wall mm -hmm. when we went downstairs that when it was used as a proper court, there was jail cells in the cellars. And there's also a room that has a whipping post in it. Oh, so God. it was a lot of very yes, really intense energy. Dense, in there. dense energy. Layers and yeah. layers. Yeah. That's how it felt. It felt, and obviously it's seen so many phases that place yes so it was the first time that i've experienced a piece of furniture f specifically feeling haunted mm -hmm. uh and the mirror felt very different to the bed and to the rest of the hotel if that makes sense so we uh we just had a little chat with the ghosties and carried on our way and it was great wow it definitely wasn't like gone but it was not breathing heavily wasn't so down your neck no it wasn't down on x yes uh, and there was something about the bridal thing that felt very like a hot button for this energy mm. it, there was something about it that was disturbing to the energy the bridal thing 
and I couldn't tell if it was that I wasn't a bride or and I couldn't I couldn't tell what it was I couldn't tell if it was because there was too many brides going through there yeah. and no one was acknowledging it and you know think and then just that alone I was laying in the bath that night thinking think of all of that energy alone of all the brides that go through there the yeah. anticipation the excitement the fear the people thinking I why am I doing this I can't do this I can't yes. do this that alone forget any history any past is in the space yes and that uh, that always riles up spiritual activity high emotional levels that's why yeah. in a home where there are teenagers is where the most poltergeist activity happens that's why it happens is because the high levels of emotions of teenagers is riling up the spiritual activity and i think it would be the same with the high levels of a bride you're totally right that's really interesting because i was just laying there in the bath thinking i wonder how many women have laid in this bath the night before their wedding hundreds thinking oh how what's my life gonna be like i'm so excited i can't wait or i've got regrets or right. <laughs> i can't do this or you know yeah and also what you're saying about feeling the energy from the piece of furniture that's a really great way to practice being open to spirit by taking anything it could be this pen it could be this candelabra behind me which is a couple hundred years old you you, you take the item and you just pay attention to how it makes you feel when you hold it in your hands and if mm -hmm. it's a piece of furniture you can put your your hands on it if it's a bed you can lay in the bed whatever, but we are sensitive to everything around us and everything holds mm. energy. And Yvette, Will's mom, is really wild at this. She can take so many things and put them in her hands and come up with stuff, and she's right. Like, they will yeah. check it. They will check it with historians and stuff, and she's spot on. So you can really develop your senses through the things around you. So I'm sure you felt a lot from the things you were surrounded yeah. by in that room and it, and it felt not it very much felt before we read the scripture on the wall we knew we didn't know about any of the history of the place before we went there we just knew that we wanted to go and stay in this old haunting lodge mm -hmm. i didn't know it was built for a king i didn't know that it was the court still to this day i did you know i didn't know about the the darker side of of it with the jails and the whipping posts and all yeah. of that and I could feel it before I knew it, if that makes sense. Yeah, you were piecing it together from what you were feeling. Yeah, so interesting. And it was just a really interesting female energy in general in that. There was one male staff member. Everyone was female. Hmm. Uh, which I thought was really interesting. But anyways, why did we get onto that? Fuck. Well, you knew I wanted to hear the story. We were talking about something or another, and I was really excited to tell you that I did a Lucy Walsh, and I just messaged someone <laughs> and was like, hey, let me tell you something that you might want to know. Shameless. You're shameless. I know I was, and it felt great. Well, the thing I wanted to mention about England was this audiobook that I just finished, Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I got home from England a couple weeks ago, and I was feeling really sad, really homesick for it, and I just wanted to stay there in my mind. And so I just Googled, like, English story. 
And <laughs> and this thing came up, this this book of this woman. Her name is Anne Glen Connor. And she was one of the ladies in waiting to the queen at the coronation. Wow. She's changed my life. She's a dear friend of mine now. She's in her early 90s. She just released this audiobook with her reading her own book wow. uh, in 2019. And now in 2021, she's written her first novel in her early mm-hmm. 90s. This woman's life is so incredible. I do believe she's of the line of the Earls of Leicester. She talks about this life that she has had from the time she was a tiny girl growing up with Princess Margaret and Princess Elizabeth through their teenage years into being asked to be one of six ladies-in-waiting for Queen Elizabeth's coronation. She talks about the the behind-the-scenes rehearsals that they went through. I mean, she's with the Queen behind the curtains, just telling you everything about the experience. And then through that, she got into this marriage that wasn't arranged, but it was, this man is so fucking eccentric and just lived this (laughs) insane life. Had so many mistresses, men and women. He took, drug the whole family to this island called Mustique, where there was Mm -hmm. nothing on it. It was a cotton island. And he mm-hmm. has since turned it into this getaway Massive for destination. Yes, the rich and famous, where like Mick Jagger mm-hmm. has a home there, mm-hmm. and everyone has homes there. And he did that, and he's been crowned the King of Mustique now by by the Queen. And sick. And she just takes you through this life she's had, full of losses. One of her sons died of AIDS. One of them died of hepatitis C from doing heroin. She's had many losses, many beautiful things happen in her life. She had a lifelong friendship with Princess Margaret until Prince, Princess Margaret died. She was the closest person to her. And at the end of her book, she said, I'm in my early 90s. I'm going to live until well over 100. I'm just going to make the most out of my life and have a great time. And I just sat there at the end of it, just so undone by this because it was so Mm. inspiring. And then at the end, it was like Caribbean music, like this good feeling, like kind of dance music. Yeah. And I just thought that's so not what you would expect an English aristocrat to tell you in their book. And she surprised me so much. And she just threw so many curveballs with the way she responded to things. I mean, she talks just like the queen, you know, her accent (laughs) is very, very uptight and she's very refined and she's like this, but she's had this marvelous (laughs) wild romp of a life. And I just found it so inspiring. And it was interesting. You don't know what where things come from or why they come to you but i know and believe that how that book came to me is how spirit guides us through our lives so mm-hmm. like i've said before i communicate with what i call my spirit guides every day and i ask them questions i ask them for signs i ask them for clarity for what i should do mm-hmm. and i find and i've and i've learned in researching all about that phenomenon, the the way that they communicate with you is through giving you an idea to Google something as simple as English story. 
Mm. And that to come to me. And then I felt like I got some confirmation of it because my mom came over and I sat down with her and I said, let's watch like Scottish house building. So I'm always watching like somebody buys a castle in Scotland and flips it yeah. and then sells it again yeah. and redoes it. So I just went into the search, typed in like Scotland Manor, whatever. And up comes this show that I do love where these people read these two people retrace the steps of Queen Eli- Queen Victoria, excuse me. Mm-hmm. Because you know when she was a teenager, her mother took her all over the empire so that she could meet the people. And she went on this mm-hmm. grueling trip where she was just constantly traveling in in coaches which would be mm. bumpy and take a long yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. And then she would show up at these manor houses. Blah, blah, blah. They have all these episodes where they show you what she would have eaten. They make the recipe and they show you the house. <gasps> and that. we choose when I say, mom, which one do you want to watch? It was categorized by the food. And my mom said, oh, I want to watch the one about the eggs, the expensive eggs that she, they prepared for her. And we click on it and we watch it. It's at Holcomb House, Holcomb Manor. Oh, wow. Where Lady Anne Glen, Glen Connor's family was. And I just thought, what are the fucking chances of that? Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You can poo-poo. That's quite you can niche. poo-poo signs all you want. But to me, I was in the middle of that nine-hour audiobook. And then for that episode to come in that took place at her house, it yeah. just, it was, I needed it. That's the bottom line. That's my bottom line for this long story I'm telling you is... You needed that little nudge from spirit. I needed it at that time, and it made such an impact on me, and I think it has a lot to do with my with my good days that I've had the last couple days because I just finished it, like, day before yesterday, and it just sent me on such an upward trajectory of, of, a, of just an excited attitude about life. And that's how, spi- that's how spirit helps us. And so I'm tying yeah. that in with what you just told us about the room you stayed in. Because why did you have the idea to go to that hotel? Why were you drawn yeah. to it? Why did yeah. you go to that room? Like yeah. you in the space where you are, Annabelle, in your life right now where you've been a bride and you'll be a bride again. But you're between, mm. you're between those phases right now, mourning mm. the loss of your husband. And here you are in a bridal suite connecting with the spiritual energy that's affecting mm. you really deeply. What's it mm. all about? Mm. Yeah. I don't think these yeah. things are accidents. No. I thought I think it was really interesting as well, especially given the timing of I'm just in this weird place in my grief at the moment where... It's kind of, it, I know this sounds sounds strange and let me try and kind of verbalize it in a way that's maybe might, maybe make sense. Yeah. Well, just over a year into the experience and the grief is no longer, uh, it doesn't feel productive or rewarding. It doesn't feel like it's teaching me anything. It can't be fixed. It it can't be moved. It's just... It is what it is. It is there. And what I'm realizing it is through talking with Jeff, my therapist, and, you know, thinking about the strange dreams I've been having and the strange feelings I've been having is that this part of the grieving and mourning process is this is where I face absence Mm -hmm. and that's what 
that drafty space is, is the absence of the person, people that I love. And this phase of grief will be very long because it's, it's going to be years. And I'm very, I felt very aware of that just days into this new kind of feeling I was having. And at the beginning of the grief, it's all about the loss. It's all about the past and you're grappling and you're you're trying to keep, stem the flow, you know, you memories and where are they and what is it? And can I remember this? And I need to write down this and you know, it's rushing and fast and violent and acute and and it's all the past. But to live in the present and to have a future, I can't stay in that. I can't stay in that place. I cannot stay living in the past. I'm going to meet new friends and have new experiences and go to new places and, and fall in love and do all of this stuff. I have to learn to live with the absence and it is going to live alongside the rest of my life and my experiences because the absence is the present Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and I can't turn away from it. I've known people in my life who, who never allow themselves to leave that early place of grief where you're living in the past and they're driven mad by it. They're driven mad. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Their I mean, you see ruined. it in many movies and books. It's it's a real thing. Miss Havisham. Yeah. You know, and it's it's strange because you you kind of have to close the door quite yeah. proactively on on the past in a way, and that's yeah. not forgetting, and it's not no, it's not closing the door on the go. person. It's, it's not closing the door on Ryan and Max. It's it's kind of closing the door on the past in order to be able to live in the present and just know that there's going to be an absence of loss there. Yeah. And I've been trying to figure out how to... I've been straddling the two for the last... since I got back to England. Mm-hmm. And it's been very difficult. And I now know that I want to move into the present fully Mm -hmm. which means accepting this drafty place called absence yeah uh so i think it's quite profound that i had that experience while i'm sort of making that conscious decision yeah and letting go of the married woman and letting go of of my identity as you know of being just a widow because now I'm in another relationship and I'm not just Ryan's widow I'm also Alex's girlfriend right so you're a born-again virgin virgin (laughs) a born-again virgin Virgin and virgin yeah (laughs) yeah a born-again virgin I like that I may have just created something fantastic yes and and you know know, and and you you will be the 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 blushing bride again in your life maybe if you choose to get married again but these different god these different you know and I've been married a few times and so you you go through these these phases of life like we were Mm. saying at the beginning of the episode that it comes in waves and just a funny little anecdote to round up that story 
when I was laying in the bath, Alec came in and I was like, I said, there she is. And he looked at me. I've, it was, it was, he's seen a ghost. Because I said, there she is. Pull back the curtain. And he went, <gasps> his hand shaking. He pulled back the curtain. And I was like, the moon, you fucking idiot. It's a full moon. I just wanted to look at the moon out the window. <laughs> and he was terrified. You have to be very careful with your words in a haunted place. I know. And also because we'd been calling her lady, the ghost in the room. We'd been calling her lady. And he was like, <laughs> I thought I was about to pull back the window and see a fucking ghost or that you had finally cracked. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, God. So wow. anyway, it was a great trip. And the Lake District is just incredible and otherworldly. Wow. Almost. Otherworldly. The, the water is so clear that it's like a mirror. It's as though you're looking at glass. It reflects the mountains back at it completely pristine completely clear and one day it was sunny and bright and warm obviously cold but warm mm-hmm. we went on this long walk i've wanted to go to this place called the grot for years which is where wordsworth would sit and look at mm. this waterfall inside of this uh viewing post that was made by the guy that built this this great hall that it's in the grounds of Rydal hall and the next day, it was so misty. You couldn't see a hand in front of your face. You know, oh, okay. hello. Gilbert came to say hello. <laughs> Gilbert. You want to say hello to everybody? Here's a good boy. Yeah. Oh, he looks nice. He looks so good. Did you pretty boy? Oh, look his little hand. He's like, get the fuck off me, mom. He's like, mom. All right, yeah. So you were sitting um, at this place where Wordsworth sat. Yeah, and it's just it was just beautiful. The whole thing was beautiful. The Lake District is I've wanted to go there my whole life. It's Beatrix Potter lived there and Wordsworth wow. and it just feels very for me it's very charged because uh, you know, Coldridge and just all these people that I admire their work so deeply. Yes. And not just their work, their philosophies, their outlook on the world and their way of life. It's more than just the work, it's more than just the productivity, it's the philosophy that i cherish and am a fan of uh and then obviously we went to the forest of dean and then we went to the cotswolds which i found out i thought the cotswolds was this faraway magical fairy kingdom that's going to take me six hours to get to it's an hour and a half away from where i live Uh, it's been it's been an hour and a half away my whole life right and uh it's just the most perfect Imagine Beauty and the Beast, nineteen ninety version, right. village. But it's 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 yeah. real life. It's like what Disney World bases its kind of cottagey it's things true. off of, except for it's real life. We went to Castle Coombe and it was just I couldn't believe it was real. I know that's where Will's dad lives, so that's where I got to spend Christmas, and I just walk at Castle Coombe. Or no, well, no, it, it, yeah, in oh, the okay. Cotswolds, and you're just I, I, I can't believe my eyes. I would just no, you be like, I'm going for a walk because I've never seen something like that in America where I live in California. Everything here is no. fucking Adobe. Like we don't have. <laughs> 
At best. At best. Jesus, if you have anything with any character, it's Adobe built in, you know, the Spanish missions. That's what we have. But but the whole, the entire village is stone, is made of stone buildings. Like, you've never seen anything like it. The with, walls. And I've the got thatched roofs. For, for walls. There are so many ways, oh. ancient ways a wall can be built. Oh, I know. And I love the walls that are kind of before they started using any kind of cement or binding type of gluing agent. It's genius. And it's just things balanced, but it's, it's an impenetrable genius. wall. Yeah. Oh. It's, yeah, you couldn't push it over, but it's just stacked on top of itself. And it's brilliant. It's just pure science. It's so, got a lot of uh, got a lot of wall picks on my. Oh my god, me too. A good wall with some ivy. Co- oh please, 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 please. <laughs> like wall porn. Yeah, that my friend has an Instagram account. She's a in, she's a wall influencer. It says I've got a thing for walls. Yeah, uh, and it's and if just there's a walls. gate in the wall, stop it. Fucking hell. <laughs> Just forget about it. Stop. So there's this woman in Castle Coombe, right? Yeah. She runs a little coffee shop out of her doorway. So she just t- puts a little cart outside her front door in the morning with cakes on it. You put Love money it. in the box. And then there's a sign that says, knock for a coffee. And you just knock on the door. And Ellen answers the door. She's just oh. watching TV. Got oh. fucking slippers on. Yeah, all right, what do you want? Legend. I'll have a latte. No. She's like, Close the door. She goes in, makes you a latte, brings it out for you. No. Goes back and finishes watching her TV program. Legendary Ellen. Oh my god. I know. It's just so it's just such a great place. Uh I felt slightly guilty in a way being there because I thought we've ruined your way of life, you people. You know, you've yeah, they're hanging it's, on. It's, it's, I know, but I mean obviously they're making money from it and there's no way that it would be so well preserved if it wasn't such a destination. You know, obviously tourism for England and the right. local council are probably just taking great care of Castle Coombe, but it did make me wonder what their lives are like and do they just get sick of us all descending on them every day to take pictures of their perfect village? I don't know. That's a good question. I want to say, I mean, of course you can't like blanket everybody. I'm sure everyone in the village feels differently, but... I want to say, I mean, they're just so lovely all the time. So I can't imagine that they would be that bothered. They're so kind in England on the street in these little villages because that's just the way you people are over there. It's such you sm- people. It's such small knit communities mm. that everyone looks out for each other and and connects every day in passing. And I think it's a much more hive mentality than in America because you come here to like yeah. go off on your own. That's kind every of the, man for the spirit. Yeah, every America. man for himself. You're not looking out for your neighbor, really. People don't even like to know their neighbors here. Like you, people would consider it rude if your neighbor was like trying to get to know you too much because you just want to come home and not have to deal with anyone but i find that's a I big find, difference sorry but i find that sad i think that's sad i do too i mean but i find in english villages like that what i've experienced is that there's such a kindness and an interest in each mm-hmm. other that blows yeah. me away every time i'm there and i mean you know, they're looking at you. They're, they want to know oh, yeah. who's here, what's the gossip, mm-hmm. who's this person, what's going on. They live for their gossip, which is funny. Everyone was was very polite. It's more just a thing of 
Since I've been back here, I've become much more aware of the effect of tourism in in small villages because there's been a lot of changes around here since I left. Yeah. In the sense that, you know, they're big on ecotourism now. And the truth of ecotourism is that it's destroying local people's way of life. They're about to build a tourist kind of cottage, eco-cottages, in the woods across from our house. You're right, Annabelle. I saw so many developments with just mm-hmm. like, here's what we're planning, a village of houses. And Will yeah. would be driving and be like, what? what I, that wasn't there three years ago. Mm-hmm. What is that? And would, so around here, it's protected at South Downs National Park. You can't just put houses up. You can't do anything like that. But what you can do is they're desperate for tourism because they need to make their money because people yeah. aren't buying building houses. So they're kind of giving people the green light to do things that they shouldn't really be doing. And especially in the woods across from us, they're, they're building these massive, massive things, 10 of them. It's basically a butlins for anyone who doesn't know what that is. It's kind of a place that you go in the countryside to do you know, outdoor activities and it's a, a holiday village. But in the woods across from my house, we've got five endangered species and one of the rarest bats in Europe. Mm. And... They're cutting down trees. Yeah. And it goes against everything that the South Downs National Park is meant to stand for. But for some reason, they've greenlit this development. Hmm. None of us know why. Lawyers don't know why. Nobody knows why. And since learning more about that and learning about light pollution and the way that when we walk around woodlands, it disrupts animals and all of that stuff, I've become much more aware of that since coming back on this trip. And I'm ashamed to say it's definitely because it's affecting me now personally in a way that it wasn't before I've taken more of an interest in it which I think is what naturally people do I've always known it's bad but now I'm pissed because it's in the woodland across from my house and you know I've taken for granted the fact that I look out my window now and it's completely black as far as the eye can see we have very strict rules here about lights at night because the stars in England the stars in England are incredible especially in the Cotswolds yes the country where Will's mum is it's and around here it's part of the law of the of the national park is that you cannot use bright lights and you cannot have bright lights through the night because what I didn't realize is that it massively affects the ecosystem mammals that rely on darkness are right really affected by us having a porch light on at night didn't even cross my mind so now, doing my little tourism trip of the UK, all of a sudden, I'm really, really acutely aware of my footprint in the places that I go in mm-hmm. a way that I kind of wasn't really before. Um, one of the things I noticed in the Lake District and when I was in the Forest of Dean is that everywhere I went, there was road noise. Everywhere I went. That's true. And it, I don't have that here. And the reason I don't have that here is because... The people here have banded together to completely shut down and reject anything that resembles that. Mm-hmm. And I've realized that I think sometimes to protect things, you have to completely reject modernity. And so true. And it's, you know, there are places and times for pushing forward and forging on and innovation, but 
in order for this village to survive, in order for the animals and the habitats around it and the woodland, in order for the church school to survive, in order for the church to survive, mm-hmm. we have to reject modernity. Yeah. And that means basically pulling up the fort, you know, the yeah. bridge, drawbridge. And You're right. I, that Even to the point that in, in several, like half a dozen pubs that I went in in England, there were signs, no cell phones. You talk here. This pub mm-hmm. only allows talking and connecting. No cell phones in your hand. Mm. Mm-hmm. And I loved that. But it's the same as what you're saying. They're, they're yeah. fighting. They're fighting to preserve their way of life. And I didn't really get it before until this trip because I've went through so many villages and so many pubs and inns and all of this. And... There is a marked difference between the beauty, the noise pollution, the light pollution, the littering, the quality of the buildings, the quality of the businesses in the places that are rigid and are rejecting modernity and the places that don't. And I haven't quite deciphered this thought process yet, but it's just something I'm absorbing at the moment. And it's not something I ever really thought I would say or feel or think is like wow we do have to stop things progressing in certain ways in order to and I don't even like that word it's not progressing I don't see it as a progression I don't see losing our woodlands and losing our darkness at dark skies at night and losing you know opening things up to new developments I don't see that as progress I see that as destruction Mm. yeah it's just interesting it's just all new thoughts for me and anyways I'm rambling on and on and on no I wanted to ask you if you think that that's something you might want to get more involved with as you think more about this is that developing in your brain like you might want to take yeah I I mean it's not that I would it's not something that I I mean not like make make it your life's work but at least have a voice in it. I think you could be yeah, influential. Yeah, I think so. You know, you tried it at the hotel and they responded. Oh my God, maybe I can influence. <laughs> exactly. Well, here's the thing. I think that we talked about not doing New Year's resolutions, but, yeah. you know, one of the things that I, th- I think I had mentioned is that a commitment to the environment is a, is a lot more important to me than it's really ever been before. And I don't mean it in a, like a Greta Thunberg type of fucking green juice way i mean it in my home therefore affecting the next home therefore affecting my nieces and nephews and like a real Mm -hmm. at home grassroots trickle along effect of Mm -hmm. making those changes and i guess the next step of that is going outside of your home and looking Mm -hmm. at the woods across the road and going this isn't right yeah um yeah it's it is something i think maybe we should just talk about i'm not saying that it's some big movement or outrageous thing or whatever it is but i do think there needs to be more of a conversation around things like dark skies why wasn't i taught about this growing up and how important it is yeah i've i've until you're saying it now i've never i mean i understand that there's light pollution in the cities i didn't even think about the animals i and uh, you and me love animals yeah we care about this stuff we care about the environment Mm -hmm. yet neither of us knew this nobody's talking about it about i mean they are but 
Nowhere Whatever. that you, nowhere that you and I usually look. Most people, you know, we're not environmentalists. We're not Greenpeace warriors. We're none of those things. So I think it takes having little chats like this, and it takes curiosity. Kind of- and if you're not careful, every one of us listening, you are only exposed to a tiny, tiny yeah. fraction of what the world really is about. We have very small lives for the most part. You've got your home, you've got your little town, you've got your city, your state that you live in, you've got your friends, you've got the people you follow on social media, you've got the shows you watch, the books you read, the job you go to, whatever, your hobbies. You're only exposed to what you create your life as. Your little bubble. Your little bubble. And to go outside of that, like you just said, look at the woods across the street. What's going on over there? That takes curiosity. It takes Mm -hmm. giving a shit about other people and about your children's children and about the planet we live on and about the way of life for others. I mean, I was just researching a lot of stuff about the state of the world right now. Shocking. Like billions, uh, the millions and the billions that don't have access to clean drinking water that are starving that don't have Mm -hmm. fucking food there are countries in the world right now that are experiencing genocide like to the levels of the holocaust Mm -hmm. and nobody's fucking talking about it because they've got their little bubble and that's safe and that's all they're gonna focus on because what can you do about it i know and people feel hopeless and they think well who am i what can i do i I don't have a voice and i get it i understand trust me i'm one of those people (laughs) that's Mm -hmm. like you know what i'm just gonna live my own life because i can't even i don't even know what the fuck that i don't even know where to begin even talking Mm -hmm. about it you just feel so sad for it but the truth is there's a huge world happening all around us let's not Mm. be so heads up our own asses that we just don't Mm. even we're not even curious anymore and that's been the big reveal for me is that i did have my head up my ass because i would have gone on that trip and it never would have even occurred to me most young people do (laughs) it wouldn't have even occurred to me to think about the massive effect that the amount of cars and the amount of people coming through Castle Coombe have on the river there, on the pollution in the local area, on how many lights are on, or just all of it. Yeah. And it's only because the woods across from my family home are now being invaded by these eco, inverted commas, developments... They're not eco at all. It's just total greenwashing of something that may as well just be a block of flats. Uh And, you know, I just didn't know. It's not that my head was up my ass. Why would I know about the interest? You wouldn't know. That's what I'm saying. You know, and that's that's the thing is what I'm trying to say about being in a bubble is you don't know what you don't know. You forgot that there's more. (laughs) Yeah. And I grew up playing in those woods every day and never in my life have I known that there's the rarest bat in Europe lives in the woods? Yeah. Never have I known that there are five endangered species living in the woods. And what I don't understand and what is making me sad about it is if South Downs National Park and the Wildlife Trust Mm -hmm. 
don't give a fuck about those creatures in that woodland, then who will? That is literally their job. And that makes me feel very concerned for the future. Because if they can't protect these animals... Nobody's going to give a fuck. Then who... Why would anyone else talk about it? Why would anyone else care? Yeah. And, you know, we don't... It's not just about the woods to us. We're, We're probably moving house. I don't care about the woods just because it's opposite my house. I care about it because what it means and what it stands for. We'll probably be long gone, but those developments will still be there. And eventually the 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 mice will go, the endangered mice, and eventually the newts will go, and eventually the owls will go, and eventually the bats will go. This is and why there's extinctions going on is because they're pushed out of where they know how to survive and they don't they won't make it. Sometimes it does take something affecting your bubble for you to wake up and get yeah. curious about it and start looking at it. it that's just mm. how, how it happens. You know, we don't really mm. care deeply about things sometimes until it's on our doorstep. And mm-hmm. that's how people turn their back on most things that are happening in the world. And I'm not saying feel guilty about all the places you go and all the travel you go. I'm just saying... Not at all. I think... There's just a level of mindfulness that I didn't have before that now is there. And I would love if everyone I knew could have a bit more of a level of mindfulness when traveling and going to villages and doing all of this kind of thing because your footprint is there in the mud after you've gone. Uh, Yeah, and you can start in your own community. I mean, right now... My community is overrun with homeless people. Mm. And it's not the homeless people's fault. It's <laughs> they have nowhere to go. Nowhere to go. You know, I was sitting outside at a restaurant the other day and a homeless man came up immediately after somebody had left the table and he started eating off of all the plates. And oh. the waiter came outside and he said, don't do that. Don't do that. I'll box it up for you. I'll box it up. And he took it in the back and he brought the guy out a box and the guy went away and he was back 10 minutes later eating off of other people's tables. And I thought, this is out of control. This, yeah, this is not, this is a person here. He's completely dehumanized, first of all. But second of all, it's not fair to people who are paying good rent that their sidewalk in front of their house is a tent city. It's not fair on anyone. It's not fair for anyone. They can't take their children out for a walk. I don't feel safe walking down my own street because there's a man walking in front of my house screaming like he's getting murdered and fighting with thin air. And it's just, you see these things around you in your own community and you go, whose responsibility is this? I don't know what I can do. How can I fix this? I don't know who to talk to. Mayor Garcetti Mm. should be fucking ashamed of himself because, Mm. and he's a friend of mine too. And all he posts is like, I'm so proud of this city. It's so beautiful here. Like we're doing such a good job. And I'm going, are you seeing my street right now? Because what city are you looking at? Or any of the streets around you. It's, there's an Instagram. (laughs) There's an Instagram. I followed it for a day and then I was like, okay, I can't follow this anymore. <laughs> this is so fucking depressing. It's about how LA has basically fallen and become a completely demilitarized 
insanity. It's disgusting and disturbing in Los Angeles right now. It's called Street People of Los Angeles, the Instagram account. And this video I saw is the train tracks by... uh, Stunning sight. Thousands of packages stolen right off of trains. If your UPS or Amazon package hasn't arrived, it might be somewhere here in this mess. Discarded on a Union Pacific Railroad track near downtown LA. As freight trains slow down or come to a halt, it was cleared up eight weeks ago, and that's what it looks like after eight weeks. And it, the whole account is basically just showing the truth of, of exactly what you're talking about. It's not the uh, real, not the shit that Gavin Newsom and Garcetti post. No, it's- we got to take responsibility, guys. Somehow for something in our lives, we got to stand for something, don't we? And be yeah, curious, be curious about what life is like for other people and not just you. My dad used to love to say that classic old expression, if you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything. That's right. And it's a great expression. It is it's a great it, expression. We've been talking for an hour and we I haven't know. done the news or listened to feedback. It's not world news. It's not important news. It's it's Lucy and Annabelle news. What do you got for us, Annabelle Chimichunga Jones? <laughs> okay, What's a chimichunga. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Okay, I think I was guys, trying to say chimichurri. Isn't that a sauce? Yeah, I think that is a sauce, actually. <laughs> I think it's a Mexican food sauce, which is your favorite. Uh, right, guys, I've got... I don't think this it's just... Mexican. Oh, it's not? <laughs> what is it? Is I don't that, know. Did I just Did I just do a racism? Let me check. Argentinian. Oh. I'm going to get you a bottle of it. No, don't. It looks spicy. It's green. It is very green. I don't like it. I don't like spicy things. Okay, this just made me chuckle. Guys, look, I know. Fuck off me. Fuck off you. Kanye West believes the strange (laughs) wife Kim Kardashian's relationship with Pete Davidson is fake and mocks him for being a bad dresser who shops at the mall. I'm sorry. Have we seen Kanye's outfits in public? Did you see his his little fashion week outfits this this past week (laughs) no i just saw his weird thing that you showed us on the podcast where he had a mask on and gloves and he was pretending to be a white man he's got this new girlfriend anyway let's talk about her in a second it's claimed that rapper 44 has told friends that the beauty 41 and father of his four children is making up storylines for her life and that he is sick of it An insider added that Kanye has been telling pals that Pete wears the worst clothes ever and they look like (laughs) items from the mall. That's all he can come up with is that Pete has bad clothes. Are we 11? And a girl. Kanye has been telling friends he still feels suppressed by Kim, even though they are separated. He feels he has kept a lot of things quiet for her and he likes to speak his mind, so he feels suppressed. Oh, Kanye has to be selfless because oh, he has a wife. He had a wife and some children and he has to protect oh, no. their mommy. Poor Kanye. Oh, no. He feels that she is going for the complete opposite of him. 
and it's just to piss him off. Does he think wow. that she's that obsessed with him? So what if Pete Davidson dresses at the mall, Kanye? At least he <laughs> fucking his clothes are actual clothes and not fucking military accessories. Look, I love Kanye. You know I love him because he's so crazy and I just think he is the most fascinating. Oh my God, person. speaking of Kanye and clothes, I have a story for you. I have an insider story. So oh my God, love of- <laughs> when you hit us with an insider story. Some Fuck of yeah. my... Some of my young music students go to Kanye's school, which he created after his mother passed away. Is it like a Monday to Friday, night to five yeah. school, school, yeah. school, school? Okay. Yeah. Apparently, Kanye has decided that he's going to be besties with one of my good friends who has her kids there. And he's always asking her to like hang out in his office or go to lunch. And the other day they were talking and he said, I love your jacket. Where'd you get it? And she told him the designer and he said, well, I love this one. I love because they're handmade by this designer. So everyone's going to be different. And he said, I love the one you're wearing. And she said, well, do you want to borrow it? Or And he said, <laughs> he said, yeah, could I? <laughs> oh. She takes the jacket off of her own self and Kanye puts it on and has been wearing it for the last couple of weeks and won't give it back. That is very endearing. That's very endearing. But you know that he's going to... That jacket has been photographed extensively. And your friend's jacket will definitely be in the next Yeezy line for next year. There's going to be a kind of... I find that very famous people have this thing about clothes where they want to wear other people's clothes. I One time I was out at a club with Britney Spears... And the waitress came over and she said, I love, I love what you're wearing. She had the girl go in the bathroom and change outfits with her. And she wore the waitress outfit and the other girl went home in her clothes and kept them. <laughs> like these. Do you think it's because they just want to be I think they want to be someone else. They just want to be a regular Normal. person. Yeah. Yeah. That's what, that's what Brittany said to me. She said, my deepest wish is that I could move to a small town and just like, open my own clothing shop and just work there at the cash register. That's what they want. They just want to be normal. They want to be someone else. And I see that where they just want to trade clothes with people and blend in. They just want to melt into the mass. It's interesting. My dad had a couple of nice outfits, but most of his clothes were from Goodwill. So some of Mm -hmm. his outfits were pretty uh, unique. Yeah, my dad and shops at the mall, just like Pete Davidson, okay? My dad shops yeah, at the mall. Yeah, like Kanye. Mall. Some of my Kanye. best memories, my best memories with my dad, we would go to the mall. And because he wasn't in my life regularly on a daily basis, he would take me out to do the fun stuff. He was like the fun mm-hmm. parent. So our outing would be that he would take me to the mall and we would separate. He would go to like Radio Shack or whatever and his clothing store. And I'd go into my favorite store, which was Rampage. Do you remember Rampage? Rock chick. Oh my God. It was the best store. And what I would do, because I was allowed to get anything I wanted. So I would walk all the way around the store and just pile it on over my arms have this huge pile at the front cash register. And then my dad would come back into the store and he would just pay. But it's like, it was this really (laughs) awkward, uncomfortable thing because we weren't close enough to where I felt 
either of us felt comfortable with him sitting there while I tried stuff on. Instead, this was just like our thing. He would come and pay at the end. So we shop at the mall. Take that, Kanye. Yeah, Kanye. Have you seen Kanye's new girlfriend, Julia Fox? No, tell us about her. She's just another... She's a shapely woman. She's a curvy, pretty, beautiful white woman. And recently she was quoted as saying, they've been together for about three weeks or something. <laughs> like, I can't believe this is my life. It feels like a dream. This whole thing. And then all the commenters in the thing were like, but you've been in this relationship for two weeks. What are you talking about? <laughs> wow. I want to know more about your dad shopping at uh, Salvation Army. Do you, did you ever go thrift shopping with him? We loved shopping as well, like you and your dad did. I think when you're not with the parent a lot, you can... Um, yeah. You know, it's one of the ways that you kind of... It's an activity, you know. It's something yeah, that we could do anywhere do. because... I think one of the places that people don't expect to see... Joe Walsh or Davy Jones is at Hot Topic or Rampage at the mall. <laughs> yeah. So it's a sort of going unnoticed, you know. Right, yes. Uh, and we would go to JCPenney and Hot Topic and he would love to go through a shopping. But I, it's not that I specifically remember doing that with him. He just, yeah. that's also kind of all that was available where he lived a lot of the mm-hmm. time. He lived very rurally. So most of his furniture was from the Goodwill. Mm-hmm. The couches, the bed frames, uh he would wear the most maddest outfits, sort of like silver trainers with dad jeans and dad, a gray t-shirt tucked in with like a brown leather kind of Native American looking sort of vest thing over it. He was just really wacky, man. My dad had the craziest, he had like a suit that was bricks, (laughs) like brick print. Yeah. Wild men, eccentric, special, special men. It's not just Kanye that likes to dress like a... Yeah. Like a so what? <laughs> what's your news? Oh, okay. My news. Well, let me pull it up here real quick. Pull it up, bitch. My news has to do with Betty White, who just passed away at the age of 99. Right, and please. the headline is that almost $13 million were raised for animal shelters to honor Betty White's birthday. Wow. On her 100th birthday, which was a few weeks after she died, this thing went out on social media called the Betty White Challenge, where people were asked to donate money to either their favorite or a nearby animal shelter or this charity, which she served on the board of directors. And uh, it's called Actors and Other Animals was her charity. Very funny. So people were asked to donate a hundred bucks, five bucks, whatever they could, and thirteen million dollars were raised and distributed wow. to many, many animal shelters. One hundred percent of the proceeds went to shelters and animal groups. Um, and so she recorded a video for her hundredth birthday just a few days before she died, and her team posted it, and she says. I just want to thank you all for your love and support over the years. Thank you so much and stick around. And now she's gone and she loved, 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 loved animals. And so that is echoing after her death. 
And I think that goes hand in hand with what we're talking about, being part of your community, giving Mm. a shit about the world Mm. around you, being curious. Mm. You can make a difference. Yeah, little things really can make a difference. Massively. It really does. Well, that's very heartwarming. Thank you for sharing. Yes, you're welcome. So, news is done. Time for some listener feedback. Listener feedback. Okay. Great to hear from you guys again. So last time we talked a little bit about past lives and this listener says, I can relate to the past lives part of the new episode. I've had a few myself. I'm not sure how many, but some of the ones I remember and not in any particular order are, I was one of the few females who died on the Titanic. This explains my fear of water and boats. Wow. I was a female who lived in the 1920s This explains my love for silent films and why everyone and everything of that era seems familiar to me. Another great episode. Happy you guys are back. Wow. That's very, very specific. Yeah, very self-aware, that that one. I like it. Uh, This listener said, Happy New Year. So happy the podcast is back. I, I missed your banter in my life more than I realized. I can totally relate to the feeling of souls living through other lives. I'm definitely drawn to other places and things. It's nice to hear that you remember too, that just because you don't experience a certain something doesn't mean someone else didn't and it should be discredited. Yeah, because we were talking about being open to Mm -hmm. others' views. Experiences. Yeah. Uh, She said she could relate to the comment about the weather, how rainy weather is dubbed bad, quote unquote. Yeah. She loves rainy, gloomy weather personally and hates when news people act like that's bad weather, just like we were saying. Thank you for always helping to bring more things into perspective for me and for sharing your feelings and thoughts. Much love. Love it, love it, love it. Another little thing here. You guys may have seen that on the Instagram I post a picture of a magnificent castle and I post the question, (laughs) Would Lucy lick this castle, yes or no? If you listened to the last episode, you'll know that uh, Lucy People were very divided on that one. Is a castle licker. One listener says, maybe not enough of a romantic ruin, which I agreed with. I feel like (laughs) the the picture I posted, while it was beautiful, wasn't destroyed enough for your taste. Uh... (laughs) One listener says, yes, and she may cry too. Laughing face. Uh, True. One listener says, for a Klondike bar, yes. Are you (laughs) a fan of Klondike bars? Is that a particular favorite of yours? Well, I do love a good Klondike bar, but the Klondike jingle is, what would you do for a Klondike bar? What would you do for a Klondike bar? Oh, okay. That's, so, yeah, that went over my head. I don't They're I don't saying I'd that. like a castle for a Klondike bar. This is my favorite one. What? About you. It says, we know she would. She's a chaos woman, and I love her. <laughs> chaos woman. And I laughed, and I said, oh, my God, you're right. She's a fucking chaos woman. I love that. That needs to be a t-shirt. Chaos woman. What this listener said about your, you made a comment in the last episode where you said something was toxic positivity. Yeah. And this listener said toxic positivity is genius. Love you, ladies. 
Wish that I could... Uh, wish I could take credit for that. I'm not clever enough to come up with, with a sentence like that, but uh, it is a fantastic notion, the notion of yeah. toxic positivity and something that I believe strongly exists. So... Me too. Uh, I'm glad. I'm glad that other people enjoyed that as well. Yeah. So thank you, everybody. We look forward to hearing from you after this episode, and keep the good stuff coming. Okay. The thing that we came here. The thing we were interested in talking about today that we've gotten to now at the end of the episode, because we're fabulous and we go with the current, is the differences between America and England. American people versus English people. The differences are vast and hilarious and interesting. And And the reason we wanted to talk about them was because, obviously, Lucy's American, I'm English, and we've both spent a lot of time in both places. And I'm sure that for both of us, there are things that are absolutely batshit about the other (laughs) country. I feel like I don't really need to go into depth about what I find to be batshit about America. I think we all kind of probably it's also are on the interesting same page. that you're with an American man and I'm with an English man. Yeah, that is funny. Oh my god, yeah, I, I didn't even think about that. Two um, sides of the same coin. I'll tell you some of my favorites, you tell yeah. me some of yours. Yeah, yeah, do it. Do it, do it, do it, do it, do it. Okay, so to begin, you greet people differently in america we say hi how are you and you say hey y'all right yes you're right you're all right you're all right uh that just means hey how's it going right <laughs> and i think for americans it can be like yeah i'm all right well, yeah it, every time it happens it makes me go yeah why what what is something wrong because it sounds like you're implying that something's wrong, so you're double checking. Another Give me thing some is, more. okay, you say, you say, um, like if you're talking about this cup of tea, you'd say, that's delicious. That that's like delicious. you call so, something that after you describe yeah. it again. So this Ooh. is this is also going to be a regional and class conversation yeah because true, true that is a class thing so a posh person wouldn't, wouldn't say, say wouldn't say that it would be more middle or working class people that would say mm-hmm. that would that's, that's all right that, that. Yeah. yeah that's that's good that also to be fair is you yeah. in england all the Big. time we don't i don't say i don't hear that in america we don't say that Big. Um, the pouring cream on stuff we don't have what we call pouring cream here the closest thing we have here would be um, heavy whipping cream but even so we don't really eat because you guys pour it on like anything you just are always looking for excuses to do the pouring cream anything anything. no I miss that here so much Um, English tend to want to be so quiet in public. Americans don't have an inside voice. We don't have a what English would call a neighbor voice. Mm. <laughs> We're just, we have one volume and it's loud. 
every time I'm in a restaurant in England, I notice that everything is way down here and you're speaking so that your neighbor can't really hear you. Do you find that to be true in England? Oh my God. On the trip that we just went on, we were at, yeah. at the second hotel we went to at the Lake District because the first hotel we went to was a disaster. So we had to move hotel rooms the next day. Oh, oh and that was, remember last week we talked about uh, things that I was going to do that was a resolution of saying like no this isn't working for me yeah and then all night I laid awake in the hotel on the first night and I was just dreading the morning because I knew I was gonna have to say this is my big trip to the Lake District I've wanted to come here my whole life this isn't working for me (laughs) (laughs) and you did it I did it anyway in the second hotel we were in this little restaurant part of the hotel and everyone was just there was no music on either no, no. Everyone was talking like this. They're just whispering at their table. I know. And then Alec started doing it. And I said, huh? <laughs> what? And I do this horrible thing where I go, huh? Huh? <laughs> I don't know where I picked it up or why I do it or for what reason. But I go, huh? He started doing it. And I said, don't, don't start doing that. I said, you <laughs> don't have to. Don't talk quietly because it's quiet in here we're not in a church or a museum we're in a restaurant so please just talk to me at a level where i don't have to lean lean in will's always mortified in restaurants in england because i'm just talking at top level and everyone around me is just staring at the ugly american and then over here if we're in our apartment we're in our apartment and we're having a fight or something and our voices are raised and he's going keep your voice down Keep your, and I'm going, nobody's here. What are you no, talking about? Because your neighbors can hear you and they don't want to hear your foul mouth through the walls. Well, they do all the time. <laughs> so yeah, volume of the voice is funny. Is it, Maybe that's- Agree. But that's agree. funny because in, in Austin Powers, he makes that joke where he goes, I'm having trouble controlling the volume of my voice. Like he does that joke. Yeah. Must be something there. That's hilarious. Uh, there are some words that I found that are different. So we call it an elevator. What do you call it? A lift. And we call it a shopping cart. Trolley. Yeah. And we call it a sidewalk. Pavement. And we call it a trash can. Bin. Yeah. Rubbish bin. Bin. Yeah. yeah. Bin. Yes, exactly. So there's a lot of differences in the words. Mm-hmm. And Will says that Americans are way more literal with their words, like trash can, uh, sidewalk. Like yeah. where we, we take, it's like we pointed at things and went, <laughs> you know, we just. Booga, booga, me American, <laughs> this where I walk on this. side. Exactly. Yeah. So those are, there's hundreds of differences in the words we use. Yeah, I think there is a distinct lack of poetry in everyday life in America and romanticism, even down to like what you're saying, uh, trash can, sidewalk, you know, there's no, I think that one of the things- There's no poetry to it. There's differences that I notice. Stop signs, it's everywhere. Yes, everywhere. Have there is there no uh, common sense left that you know? Just when the line is there on the road, you just stop 
you just put a line and you can either see if a car is coming or it's not. We don't have no, to have a stop right. sign every 10 feet. I know there are, I, I said that, I made that comment when we were driving through Wales. I, I said to him, I haven't seen a stop sign like this whole trip. It's amazing. It's so nice to the eye. But you know what? That brings us to a point about driving. Driving in America is absolutely bonkers insane. No Mm -hmm. wonder it's one of the top causes of death because it is a free-for-all and it is so dangerous. And when Will first moved here, he was like terrified in the car Mm -hmm. and I, and I, I didn't know what he was talking about. Because it was just yeah. normal to me. People speeding, people changing lanes in front of each other, not using yeah. blinkers, not stopping. Yeah. yeah. You get to England and you see the difference. Everything is orderly. You don't you don't speed up past each other to cut each other off in a lane. So to answer your question, yes, we do need the stop signs because otherwise because mm. no manners. There's no manners. One of the things in America that drives me mad is on the road and in general is that most people other than older generations have no manners. No manners. Uh, And no no poetry in the way we express ourselves and and with our language and with our our vocabulary. That's one of the things that depresses me most about having to be away from England is mm. I crave that romance, that romantic way of doing things and that, that poetry. Yeah, it is definitely a softer, more romantic. I personally feel, I'm going to say it, this is spicy. Sorry to anyone that's a fans. It's a more civilized way of life, in my opinion. Yeah. We have healthcare. Nobody's dying because they can't afford their cancer treatment or their diabetes medicine. Uh, we're trusted. You pay at the gas station. Uh, you know, you pay, you fill up your tank and then you pay when you go to the gas station. It's not the other way around. You don't have to have a stop sign everywhere because there's a, a level of trust yeah. that is how a community works we have to we have to have good kind of instincts we have to use our common sense we don't just go zooming through the lines on the road because there's no stop sign there we check because we care about ourselves but we also care about other people and i think that that ripples through everything kind of and it's mirrored in it's mirrored in the announcement that your government just made about ending all mask mandates mm. from now on. Boris Johnson said in that announcement, I'm going to trust the judgment of the English people. Mm-hmm. But you can't be living in some tyrannical state with all this COVID stuff. How long can it last? I mean, COVID stuff aside, we have to... We have to trust each trust. other or we yes. have nothing. We have Trust nothing. each other's common sense and judgment for them, what works for them, and just do what's best for you and your family. That's it. But that has to be uh, nurtured, and mm-hmm. it isn't nurtured from childhood in America. And so no, it's you not. can't expect adults to have to those instincts it. and use those things and have those tools if you're not teaching it to them as children. Right. You eat differently with your knife and fork than we do, or we we do do. from you. Oh, yeah. My God. Are you kidding? So, yeah. So you 
most people in England would cut with their fork and their right hand, excuse me, most people in England would cut with their knife in their right hand and then bring the fork in the left hand up to their mouth, which I've come to love doing. But before spending time in England, I was raised that you cut with your right hand and then you put the fork down, you switch your knife, your you switch your fork over to your right hand and then shovel the food into your mouth with your right hand. And then when yes. you're ready to cut another bite, you would switch hands again. And what word did you just use? Shovel. shovel. <laughs> exactly right. It's so, not a shovel. It's a no. fork. Yes. With the English way, with that fork kind of being upside down, you cannot shovel. You must <laughs> piece a little bite together and daintily put it in your mouth or it uh-huh. will fall off the fork. So uh-huh. it's a much more um, civilized way of getting the food into one's mouth. I've got the best book, which I needed. I mean, my manners are quite good. I went to a very old-fashioned all-girls school. You know, Mm -hmm. I learned a lot of the classic things. But obviously, over the years, things have slipped. Uh, (laughs) So I got myself... Not just your tits. (laughs) (laughs) Things have gone downhill. Yeah. And it's not just the breasts. Not just the big old titties. As mentioned... (laughs) Thank you. Uh, I got myself the Tiffany's Teenager's Guide to Table Manners. Oh, how lovely. Great book. I hope you got me a copy because I need it. There you go. Lucy's reading a really nice book about things. And the book I'm reading is Tiffany's Table Manners for Teenagers. I'm writing it down. It's not big. It's not confusing. They've made It's for teenagers. And if you can't handle that... don't listen to this show anymore because you're a fucking idiot. <laughs> I'm going to buy it for my children who aren't even born yet. <laughs> well, you what need to read you it. You need to read it first. I, know. I do. Shoveling gotta things keep, into your I gotta mouth. Keep my English man happy or he's going to leave me. <laughs> oh, he's not. Let me say one last intense thing. Okay. Before I move on to the light affair, which. My sister said the other day, and I don't know where she heard this, maybe I'm underestimating her and it was an original thought. I don't think it was. But (laughs) the concept that your employer owns your body. What? Health insurance. Okay. Your employer can grant you health insurance and make decisions about your body. How bizarre is that? that some is, some insurance companies won't allow abortions or won't give you uh, your contraceptive pill. Some now are saying that unless you're vaccinated, we are not going to give you this or we're not going to give you that. It's unfathomable to me that that you, that my employer could have any say yeah. over what medical choices I make for my yeah. body. That blew my mind to think of that because obviously we all talk about health insurance in America as being a big issue and a big crazy thing and it it shouldn't be what it is. It should be better and it should, well, first of all, it should not exist and it should be universal healthcare. But second to that, if you can't do that, it should be a better quality product. Yeah. But then it made, I really thought about that, what she said, that that your employer has a say over your yours and your family's body and medical choices. Blew my mind. Terrifying. Blew my mind. Okay, the light affair. Small talk. 
we don't do that. We're not in England. We don't love the small talk. No, which I appreciate so much because I can't stand it either. Americans, but you, you just get in the habit in America. They love it. We have a lot of sayings here that you don't have. Do, well, you can correct me if I'm wrong. It says, I'll read you some. You tell me if it's correct. We say piece of cake here. Do you say that there? We do, but not as commonly as we do other other things. Um, it means that something's easy. Do you say um, scoot over? Ew, no. <laughs> Why did I have a visceral <laughs> reaction of disgust? Because I imagined a dog scooting along on its bottom. Oh, right, right. Do you say break a leg when you want to wish somebody luck? Uh, not unless I'm, you know, doing my job in a theatre. Where right. I'm working as a stagehand. Right. You say, oh, or I'd mighty break a leg. <laughs> Okay, so now we're on the expressions thing. This was my... Right. When we decided to talk about this, I went on and I googled some things today and there was a great article on the Daily Mail, sorry, uh, mm. today that I loved. And it was sayings and phrases that have kind of phased out of English culture. And I love this shit. So I'm going to say some to you and you're going to tell okay. me if you know what they mean. Okay, great. This is one of my favorite expressions of all time. Ryan used to say it. He was the one, the first person I heard saying it. Pearls before swine. Yes. Great expression. What does it mean? Such a watch? great expression. Know? So it would mean to me. It means um, you're laying out your very best in front of someone that could not appreciate it ever. Doesn't get it. It's. It's uh, never going to get it. Swine no. are never going to understand pearls. And this one. expression comes from the New Testament. And the phrase went on to repeat, be repeated by some of the most renowned British writers, including Shakespeare and Dickens. And that's when it wow. was popularized. This is a great one. Oh, okay. Nail your colors to the mast. Yeah, that's a great one. I've never heard it, but to me it would mean stand up for something. Make it official. Hell yeah. It's about putting your sh opinion your and, your, oh, love yeah, that. and just standing by it and f flying that freak flag for everyone to see. And wow, obviously there's an a nautical expression. Uh-huh. There's another one that they use in Beauty and the Beast, speaking of that movie again. <gasps> Watched it last night. France. Oh, he says, screw your courage to the sticking place. It's from Shakespeare. It's an English mm -hmm. saying. And it means, you know, don't lose your courage. And what's the sticking place? Where it's not going to come unstuck, wherever that is. Up uh... your coochie, who knows? <laughs> <laughs> Some of these are so much younger as expressions than I could have ever imagined. Hmm. Could not organize a piss up in a brewery. Have you heard that one before? <laughs> no. So obviously, when someone is so shit at organizing things and so useless that they literally couldn't <laughs> organize for people to get drunk in a brewery, that yeah. was that was uh, a very recent expression. And in 1980, that was that's a great one. Became a popular term. I know a couple people that couldn't do that. <laughs> I know who they're talking about. 
Oh my god. Ready for the knacker's yard. So knackered means tired. So does that mean ready to die? So because the knacker's yard would be a graveyard, wouldn't it? It's where you took old or injured horses to the knacker's yard and they would kill them for you and deal with the bodies and they would use the pelts or whatever it was. Oh, God, okay. So it was a slaughterhouse, basically. And knacker's was also once used to mean castanets, which then saw it become slang for testicles. Uh, So... Somewhere in the mix, knacker became a term for being tired or exhausted. But Mm -hmm. no one seems to really know where it went from being, Hmm. you know, knacker's yard to bollocks to tired. I used to work in a chip van when I was a teenager in the town centre in Portsmouth in in a chip frying van. And... In the morning, the postman would come and get their bacon butties and chips from us. Mm-hmm. So very early in the morning when they were either just about to start their round or finishing. Now, I didn't know what a buddy was before I spent time yeah. in England. Butties, so. a sandwich made of chips or you can put bacon in it. And it's just bread, butter, whatever the food item is. It's a French fry sandwich. Yeah, French fry sandwich. And it's <laughs> that is fucking so weird. Gorgeous! If you've never I'm tried sure. it, I'm sure. No, I mean it bread. seems like stoner food. Mm, white bread, butter, French fries or chips with salt and vinegar, bit of ketchup. Oh, absolutely God, so zero nutritional value. No, 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 no. It's just fuel. It's just pure calories wow. to steam you through the day. Wow! And this postman came up and he said to me, "I'll have a bacon butty, please." And I said, "Lovely." And he had a Portsmouth accent. So he's like, all right, darling, I have a bacon butty. And I was like, all right, sounds good. And he said... Did you have sex with him? No. And he said... I feel like that's where this story's going. <laughs> no, he said to me, and I'll have my bacon knackered. Oh, said, yeah, yeah. I said, excuse me? And he said, <laughs> I'll have my bacon knackered. So he just wanted it cooked. Black. Just beyond existence. Just yep. fried to a crisp. And I looked at him and I said, Sir, you are wearing the Queen's royal insignia on your chest. If you could refrain from using such terms, I would very much appreciate it. And he just looked at me so shocked. And then we both started laughing. And I was like, okay, so well done, bacon sandwich. Got it, one's coming up. He said, That's you're not from funny. round here, are you? And I said, well, not really. <laughs> I was born here. But I'm not from around here. You must have come yeah. straight out of your girls' boarding school, your refinery school, straight no, to that. I think I was about 19 when I went there. Wow. Um, but I love those expressions. Colder than a witch's tit. Yep. Love that one. It's a good one. Uh, Don't know why a witch's tit is cold, but love the I'll expression. Tell, I'll tell you. That's why I like this article, because it tells me where everything came from. Yeah. Cold weather, thought to originate from street slang. The suggestion is that witches were evil and cold-blooded and therefore would not retain mm. body heat so that tip ah, would be cold. There you go. Makes sense. Wow. Well, this is very funny. I think we should maybe keep doing this because there's so many to say. But on the IG, we can just drop a few yeah, sure. nuggets of yeah. 
joy with all of these expressions. I want to hear some more American ones as well. You know, if you think about it, you guys left England to go in search of a new world. Mm -hmm. So when you got, when you got here, you weren't interested in keeping those traditions. They said, fuck everything we were doing. It's like rebelling against a parent. Mm -hmm. That's what you did when you came here and turned yourself into Americans. So people always say, oh, how did that not translate? Or how did that not make it over here? Mm -hmm. Well, that's why, because you came over here and you went, I'm going to be the exact opposite of everything that we were. Yeah. And so you landed somewhere in the weird middle with all these <laughs> new Yeah. It new is interesting things. some of the things that don't translate or haven't made yeah. it. Simple things like we say aluminium. You guys say right. aluminum. We say aluminum. We say yeah. uh, cling film. We say saran wrap. We started calling things by the brand. So instead of tissue, we call it Kleenex. Because America's complete capitalism and consumerism, where oh England God. is not. That's so true. That is so, so true. A plastic bag, a plastic kitchen baggie, we would call a Ziploc, but that's mm. the brand. It's a sandwich Wild. bag here. Yeah, no, it's Reusable a Reusable sandwich bag. Yeah. <laughs> we are but consumerism to the max. Well, I do always say that. I say that in America, corporations and consumerism is king and country. That's what it is. is. It is. Yeah. Do you think that will ever Amazing. change? No, I don't think it'll change. I think it'll just, the world's going to just implode on itself. I don't know what the hell we're headed for, but, oh, to be in England where, you know, people are fighting to maintain the night sky. Oh, my God. And I just love to be a part of it. I want to fight to maintain that blackness at night. Good God, I think woman. you should. I'm going to. And can I just say, while we're on the subject of... Uh, the Beauty and the Beast yeah. kind of thread through this episode is that I watched it last night. One of Alec mm. and my favorite films separately, but then we came together and realized that we both loved it. The man knows basically yeah. every word to the film. Love it. And it's mine too. The candlestick behind you. Yes. Lumiere. Looks very much like Lumiere. Yes, it does. Look at him. Except for... Yours is silver and Lumiere is gold. Apart from that, I see no difference. Mine needs to be polished really bad. <laughs> but yes. What's that silver I... one? Yeah, oh yeah, it's gorgeous, bright, bright silver. I need to polish all my silver. It's one of my New Year's projects. I love yes. polishing silver. If I, I was too. there, I would do that with you. I have hours. so much silver. Look at this beautiful thing. So you noticed my Lumiere candelabra. Look at these stunning chalices. These oh, are also meant, meant to be silver. These are so heavy. Yes, polish them. Oh, they're just shining, shimmering when they're done. So, you know me, oh, no, I've I lost love my you. antiques. Wait, by next week, by next week, can you have polished yeah. something of those items so we can see it? Yes, you will see the difference. Okay. I will polish Lumiere. Okay, love it. And I'll put candles in them. <laughs> really? Oh. All right, babe. Well, well, I loved talking to you about all of this stuff and nonsense. Me too. What a wild episode. But, you know. Here we are. That's who we are. That's why people tune in. Right, right everybody? Uh, I love how we're like, yeah, yeah, we're going to do less episodes. Just do two-hour episodes instead. That's fine. 
everything you've had to say this week. Your your I always love hearing your views and your opinions on things. You're always teaching me something. Yours. Yeah, you too. I I depend on our time together. I really do. Me too. Um, all right, Boo Boo. Well, I love you. All right. Love you too. See you next time. Love you. Bye. Love you. Bye. Boys and girls, London calling. That don't look to us. Phony Beatlemania is bitten the dust.